Hello, everyone, and happy Friday from Montana Conservation Voters. I'm Executive Director Aaron Murphy, joined by Deputy Director Whitney Taney and Political Director Jake Brown. We are home studioing from Billings, Bozeman, and Helena, and this week's guest will be joining us in a few minutes from Missoula. Our guest this week is MCV-endorsed Monica Trinnell, who's running for the PSC, or Public Service Commission, in District 4. I think folks are going to really enjoy our conversation. I know I learned a lot, and so get ready to learn some new facts about how energy works here in Montana. Yeah, I think we're all pretty excited about our endorsement of Monica. She was actually endorsed by our uh, independent board of directors on our state PAC, Montana Conservation Voters Action Fund, as well as endorsed by our local chapter in Missoula, uh, the Missoula chapter of the Montana Conservation Voters. Um, And also, as of today, the day that this podcast should be out, ballots will be sent in the mail. So folks should anticipate getting their ballots for the primary election any day now. Thanks, Jake. Montana Conservation Voters has already made a key endorsement in this year's U.S. Senate race. Our Congressional Action Fund endorsed Governor Steve Bullock, a longtime conservation champion, soon after he announced he was challenging incumbent U.S. Senator Steve Daines. For years, Senator Daines refused to meet with Montanans face-to-face when he had the chance, and he still has yet to put our money where his mouth is on fully funding the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which we've talked about on this show. Anyway, there's new polling out this week from Montana State University, giving us a snapshot of this critical race. The polling shows Governor Bullock with a seven-point lead over Senator Daines, 47-40, to in a head-to-head matchup if the election were held today. That's a pretty remarkable number given Senator Daines has been in public office since 2013. And we should also note that the same poll shows President Trump with a 5% lead over Joe Biden in the presidential race in Montana, 45 to 40. And that is consistent with previous polling. Back to the Daines-Bullock race, 47 to 40 does technically fall within the margin of error, but barely. While Steve Bullock has been leading Montana through a health crisis, Senator Daines is known for little more than hiding from Montanans, not to mention his record of voting against conservation, but telling Montanans he supports it in Washington. Anyway, if you'd like to check out this hot-off-the-press poll for yourself, we have a link to it in our show notes. And we'd also like to note it's been a rough week for Senator Daines all around because the Washington Post and the New York Times are reporting that the U.S. Justice Department has launched a criminal investigation into a company founded by Daines' former fundraiser. His name, Mike Gula. A few weeks ago, Gula left Daines to start Blue Flame Medical with a business partner named John Thomas. Now, neither Mike Gula nor John Thomas had much experience in the medical equipment industry, but they were well-connected, and Blue Flame Medical reportedly collected hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayer money with the promise of delivering much-needed supplies like N95 masks and test kits through, get this, a Chinese partner company. Well, that equipment never came. Senator Daines, of course, has his own connections to China, having lived in Hong Kong while growing business in China for Procter & Gamble. And listen to this. Senator Daines is now pointing his finger at China. Here's a news clip from this week. America can't continue to rely on countries like China to manufacture a PPE and our critical drugs. China's lack of transparency and their cover-up of the coronavirus made the global pandemic much worse. It cost lives and it devastated our booming economy. That's quite the opposite message from Blue Flame Medical, whose CEO, Mike Gula, raised money for Senator Daines. Of course, there were other conservation headlines in the news this week as well. Thanks, Murph. This week, a federal judge, Brian Morris in Great Falls, canceled almost 300 gas and oil leases 
all across Montana because the Bureau of Land Management failed to adequately study the risks of all that drilling to our water supply and our environment. The cancellation of these leases comes down to two factors that the BLM failed to address in their leases. One is the failure to consider the risks to groundwater from the shallow hydraulic fracturing or fracking, or the cumulative effect to the Montana water from all the oil and gas leases all across the state. Judge Brian Morris said that the court does not fault BLM for providing a faulty analysis of cumulative impacts or impacts to groundwater. It largely faults BLM for failing to provide any analysis at all. Um, this is actually a pretty big win for clean water in Montana and just a, another great reminder of how important some of these federal judicial positions are. Now, speaking of wins, some silver lining to this pandemic is that our global greenhouse gas emissions have been reduced by 8% because we're all staying home. But despite this good news and a story this week, we also heard from the director of the Montana State University Institute on Ecosystems, Bruce Maxwell, and MSU Earth Science professor Kathy Whitlock, that we should take lessons from COVID-19 and prepare more for climate change through modeling because unlike a virus, the climate breakdown is not going anywhere and humans are causing that, and we need to change our behavior. We also need some more facts, so let's take a listen. We don't even have a mechanism to really dedicate ourselves to understanding what the recent historic trends have been. So we're not prepared. It's like saying, oh, we have a pandemic, but we have no doctors. This fall, both Maxwell and Whitlock are releasing a report about the direct climate impacts to our state and know that we will be covering it here. So stay tuned and more information soon. In other news, the uh, Anaconda Deer Lodge County Commission approved a historic settlement with the Atlantic Richfield Company, or ARCO. Uh, this settlement is the culmination of years of negotiations with the county and the company over the millions of dollars in environmental cleanup from decades of operating the Anaconda smelter, which ARCO bought back in the 70s. This settlement includes almost $30 million for community development programs and will help pay for things like groundwell testing, soil remediation, and lead testing for the residents of the county. Um, we at MCV are glad to see that Anaconda finally got this money to help their community recover from the years of toxic metals contaminating just every inch of their town. It's an important reminder about the legacy of companies here in Montana who have extracted our natural resources and maybe a lesson for the future. And as we close out this week's headlines, a note about the Montana Public Service Commission, which this week got caught up in some very public bickering. Commissioner Roger Koopman of Bozeman tried to censure Commissioner Randy Pinocchi, who lives near Great Falls. Both of them are Republicans. Pinocchi says Koopman took his emails, some of which were personal in nature, without authorization and then gave them to a conservative blog. Well, whomever gave the emails to the blog hasn't been independently verified. Nonetheless, all this PSC drama reminds us that our Public Service Commission has not been doing much of what it's supposed to be doing these days, that is protecting us ratepayers. Hopefully that will change with today's guest. Today's guest is Monica Trinnell, MCV's recently endorsed candidate for the Public Service Commission, also known as the PSC. Monica is running in District 4 that spans from Lincoln to Ravalli County. She has over two decades of experience working directly with the PSC as a staff attorney at the PSC and the Consumer Council. 
Monica now runs her own firm where she focuses on PSC regulatory issues, water, and property rights, and represents clients who want to invest in clean energy projects. Our guest is also an Olympic rower who scored a gold medal in the World Championships. Thank you for being here, Monica. Thank you, Whitney. And yeah, this is great. I really appreciate uh, you making time for me on your show. Thank you. So a lot of people are intimidated by the PSC and what they do. So what does the PSC do? What should Montanans care about? And why are you running for the commission? Right. So the Public Service Commission is an agency that um, people in Montana interact with every day, all day long, from the moment you wake up in the morning and turn your lights on and make your hot coffee to the time you go to bed at night, you are interacting with the PSC because it sets the rates that you pay for your electricity and, um, you know, the, the basic life services that you need every day to live. A number of people in Montana are served by rural co-ops and, they too are interacting with the Public Service Commission in a couple of different ways. So in some cases, the co-ops are actually customers of Northwestern and receive electricity from Northwestern. So they are indirectly affected by what the commission does with respect to Northwestern. And they are also impacted in the sense of the resources that the commission Um, prices and allows into rate base, for example, Dave Gates or Coal Strip 4, to the extent that those have an impact on our environment, those uh, resources aren't confined to the location where they are sited. So a carbon molecule in Rosebud County doesn't stay in Rosebud County. So everyone in Montana is impacted by this agency to the extent that we have a shared environment. What's important to remember about the Public Service Commission in Montana, we call it the Public Service Commission, and utility commissions were born at the same time in history and for the same reason as labor unions. So in the time of the oligarchs in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a need to regulate the wages that corporations could pay their workers and labor unions arose because of that. And there was also a need to regulate the prices that these monopoly, these natural monopolies like railroads could charge farmers to haul their grain. And so that gave rise to the utility commissions, which in their first iteration were called railroad commissions or railroad boards. You know, the history of these commissions was to regulate natural monopolies. And so because there is no competitor, there aren't two railroads running through eastern Montana side by side to haul grain, and you don't get to choose which one you want to use. And in the same way, you don't get to choose which um, supplier of electricity you can use. There exists a commission to protect you and to set rates that are just and reasonable. My background is I grew up in eastern Montana with my nine siblings, and um, we were taught by my father to contribute something positive. So I'm an attorney. I've been practicing in front of the commission for, in one form or another, for about 20 years. Um, my, I was a staff attorney at the Public Service Commission, and I've also worked for the Montana Consumer Council. So those are two, you know, the two agencies that give me really direct experience with the commission and its work. 
then in private practice, I have represented clients in front of the commission. And my clients are renewable energy developers, uh, wind and solar projects who want to get built in Montana. And also, I, I also represent ranchers and do water rights. Um, some of my ranch clients want to have wind and solar on their ground. So last summer, I was in, at a hearing in front of the commission trying to get a wind project built in Stillwater County. And during that hearing, um, the project, which would have brought um, a couple of hundred of million, hundred million dollars um, to Stillwater County and it increased their tax base and meant a significant amount of money to local schools. One of the commissioners said, wind turbines are dangerous. They fly off and kill people. They spew chemicals into the air. And another commissioner said, well, the science is clear. The climate is getting colder. And I was absolutely appalled. I could not believe I was hearing those words from the people who were supposed to be deciding our case. And as an attorney, I am used to winning and losing cases. You walk in and you think you see the facts a certain way and the decision comes out differently and you have to learn to absorb that. I had never experienced this sort of systemic obstacle to any kind of a fair result. And I had this absolute feeling in my gut that I had to do something. I know the industries that this agency regulates. I know the work that it does, and I can make some real change here. So I decided to run. And that also actually draws on one of the things that MCV was really excited to work on um, last year with Governor Bullock is that he had an executive order on climate change to support the goal of a carbon-free future here for us in Montana, which was the first time in our history it's ever happened. Um, so what will you do to carry forward climate solutions as a PSC commissioner? Yeah, so I think that the 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 job at hand is one that requires industry to be part of the solution. And so moving toward a fossil-free future and a carbon emission-free future means bringing everybody to the table and having an all-hands-on-deck and figuring out what our energy policy looks like. So I think that the, what we have with the um, Governor's uh, Climate Solutions Council and the sort of the initial draft that is out there is pretty exciting because it has some pretty concrete um, ideas in terms of where we can go. So it's moving away from that purely aspirational phase to an implementation phase. And I think that that's incredibly positive. We have tremendous resources in Montana. We have winter peaking wind and we have amazing geographic diversity. So I have been trying to figure out how are we going to actually implement some of the necessary steps that have to get taken to move to the electrification of everything and reducing our fossil fuel use starting now. So those are some of the things that I have, I've done and I look forward to doing as a commissioner. 
Right. So I would say the initial investment for clean energy infrastructure can really be a barrier for residents, but then also businesses, even though they're going to save money in the long run. Um, I say this because my husband and I are interested in putting solar on our roof, but the upfront cost is pretty huge. Um, So how, I guess, by working through all these plans, will you make solar more accessible to more Montanans? So distributed generation is something that we really do need to figure out how to get out there. And one of the roles that the commission can play is really um, figuring out how to connect all of the different people who have an, an interest in making these things happen. So there are financial institutions who want to actually truly move to having what they would call a green portfolio or, you know, sort of investment vehicles that really do not have any fossil fuel assets in them at all. That's not easy to do in today's world. And so there are ways, I think, that we can partner and figure out how do we get the upfront capital in the financial markets and get that out to the folks who want to invest in their home, in their community. And so that's, I think, one way of setting this up is just saying, well, who are the stakeholders here and how can we connect them together? And then aggregating some of these, you know, the community projects. So we have a community solar project that people can buy into in a way that fits within their budget. And then they can see an impact on their monthly bills. Another piece of this, which you've already mentioned, is Northwestern Energy And they've been claiming to support clean energy, but it's also no secret that they want to buy Colstrip Unit 4 and keep it running indefinitely. Their solar array at their office here in Bozeman is smaller than most in my neighborhood, so it kind of makes me question them even further on their commitment. So as an advocate for moving Montana to a clean energy future, how will you ensure Northwestern makes good on their promise to do their part for renewables? So I think, and backing up and giving some historical context to some of those claims too, which I think are, you know, we need to peel back the layers of the onion there and reveal the truth of what's being said and what actually happened historically. So Northwestern says, you know, we made a billion dollars investment in renewable energy. And that is, um, to, to me, it's absolutely appalling that they say that. But that they are talking about the acquisition of the hydros. Those hydros, the dams, have existed in Montana for over 100 years. We, as Montanans, the ratepayers, we are now paying for them for the third time. And they were valued at about $500 million in 2014 when they made that acquisition. And they drove up the price so that they could have a bigger profit share and a bigger uh, rate base. And so the way rate base works is the bigger the kingdom, the bigger the king. So they want to have those assets be priced as high as possible so that they can earn as much money as possible off of them. They make a lot of money and money is driving their decision. And that's where we have to have people in the commission who are capable of standing up and saying no. And I think that part of the problem um, that we see with the PSC is that a lot of their work is being done in kind of this black box, but also with a lot of drama. Um, In fact, this week, we saw one of our commissioners try to censure another 
So what will you do to support increased transparency of the PSC, further protect our ratepayers, and cut the drama? And one of the things about the drama and the noise is it's just that. This commission has undertaken a very calculated effort to do the bidding of the monopoly utility and to forsake us, the ratepayers, it's mandated to protect. And it has, it has completely abandoned free market principles. So let's not get distracted by the noise, which is something that we can all, you know, be shocked by and disturbed by. But underneath that, they have voted unanimously to raise our rates and to increase the profits to the utilities. So while they are backstabbing and leaking each other's emails, we're all getting screwed. And that is what the message needs to be. And that's why we need change at the commission. Um, So once you get past the June 2nd primary, what do you want people to know about you versus your expected opponent? Well, there are three opponents on the other side, um, and I really can't guess as to who may come out of that. But the bottom line is that none of them have any experience with the Public Service Commission. None of them have worked in front of it. None of them have worked for it. And one of the things that I bring to this that is very unique is my skill set as an attorney. I have a relationship um, with a, a number of the staff people because I work there as a staff attorney. I bring a very unique set of experience and background and ability to get the job done. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. And how is it best to follow your work and your campaign? And if people want to get involved, what should they do? Thank you, Whitney. And thank you to the Montana Conservation Voters for holding the show. It's fantastic. And I love your work and um, I'm totally behind you. So thank you for everything that you're doing for Montanans. You can find me at trinellforpsc.com is the best way to find me on my website. And you can email me at monica at trinellforpsc.com. And you can find me on Facebook and all of those links are on my website. Oh, it was really fantastic speaking with you. Thank you, Whitney. The Independent Board of Directors of the Montana Conservation Voters Action Fund and the MCV Congressional Action Fund make all endorsement decisions on behalf of MCV and does not make decisions based on political party affiliation. All candidates are welcome to seek MCV's endorsement. Thanks, Murph. Now, don't forget to follow us on social media, all at MT Voters. This helps us spread the word and also builds our conservation movement that we are so thankful that you are all a part of. And as of this week, we are now on iTunes. Find us there and please give us a review. We're very excited about that. And Whitney, I know you're very excited about closing out this week's show. We leave you today with what might break the internet. Hello, my friends. I am Wes. And today, I will be wrapping The Lorax by Dr. Seuss. There's a lot we can learn from The Lorax. The Lorax rap. There's a lot that we can learn from The Lorax. And Wes Tank's sweet rhymes are worth a listen. 
At the far end of town where the grickle grass grows And the wind smells slow and sour when it blows And no birds ever sing excepting old crows Is the street of the lifted Lorax Deep in the grickle grass, some people say If you look deep enough, you can still see today Where the Lorax once stood just as long as it could Before somebody lifted the Lorax away What was the Lorax and why was it there? Why was it lifted and taken somewhere? From the far end of town where the grickle grass grows The old once still lives there there, he knows.